0: I'm doing a podcast. would you listen to John Fletcher scream hello and welcome to episode number 195 of Grumpy Old Benz for Tuesday, September 20th, 2022. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where everything is still fairly calm, but just wait till January 1st. And from America's left coast, where the future is here and they'll sell it to you as an NFT. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Oh, all of this NFT stuff. I just saw something pop up like, oh, you could buy one of some odd number of Chicago Bulls NFTs. And I'm like, no, <laughs> of course, no, I do I, not I, want any NFTs. No, I don't. I was I was digging through what
1: stories would I be able to bring? And and the one that I kind of landed on because I I have a slightly better chance of being able to grasp it than most people, although I still don't fully have my head around it because I'm not the right kind of religious fervor. Was the Ethereum merge, but it took me down a rabbit hole with
0: NFTs that I did not expect. The yeah, Ethereum's going through that. Cardano's going through something. A fork as well. There's some very weird stuff going on with all of these. the The NFTs can be attached to the blockchain, which is something still I think people have a hard time grasping that you have this being used as a currency, although it's not. But what it's it's not. Then you have the NFTs, which it's like, well, it's attached to that same blockchain. It's like, well, what does that mean?
1: I actually read uh, this morning, I read a, a particularly long essay from a financial analyst explaining how uh, Ethereum is no longer a currency. It is a security because of the merge and that the only coin left that is still uh it could be considered a currency, but really is more a commodity is Bitcoin and all the other ones are securities. And I have to say, after reading through the whole article, I didn't fully understand it because I'm not a financial guy.
0: Well, that's what they were saying with uh, Ripple as well, that it was a security. And that's where a lot of this, the big lawsuit came from and then it crashed. Although I think that's going through the court and it depends what they're going to figure out. Uh, but the financial sector and the government can't really figure out what these things are because they're not a currency. They're not really a security, I don't think, but maybe that is the closest thing in the financial but world. They do have the biggest, the biggest benefit and characteristic
1: of securities, which is that all the scams are definitely coming along with them.
0: Well, yeah, because it's still the easiest way to move something that is worth money from you to somebody else without getting caught.
1: Yeah. And and without actually putting up anything real as collateral.
0: Well, that's true, too. It's a very, uh, very wild so, west for scammers. Here's here's what I learned about the Ethereum merge. Uh,
1: if, if for people who aren't really aware of what's going on, which is I hope most of you, because this is this is information that most of us don't need. Well, this is uh,
0: Ethereum. The concept was they're moving from proof of um, work to um Just proof of ownership, right? That's Yeah,
1: Uh, it's called proof of stake. And this was, they started a parallel blockchain to Ethereum using proof of stake in 2020 so that they could work out the bugs and everything. And what happened last week on the 15th was they merged the two so that the official Ethereum blockchain switches over to the proof of stake one. And what this means is the, The proof of work, the way Bitcoin works, the way Ethereum used to work, the way a number of coins work is, uh, your computer has to, uh, quote unquote, solve a math problem, which usually means computing hashes and your, uh, you know, the, the way, at least the way the Bitcoin hash works is that your hashed value has to be below a certain binary value, which I always thought was hilarious because it's the first time in history that people have been computing hashes and actually looked at the value of it rather than just consider it a, an immutable token or number but it has to be below a certain value when you numerically compare it as an integer and the thing is you know when when you're your your uh difficulty of the hash is they just move that value you're comparing against up and down so with you know the average bitcoin mining especially when the value goes up it's something like a 64 bit value and the first 50 bits need to be zero or something it's it's crazy Um, but the problem is of course, that the vast, vast majority of the hashes that you compute are not above that value. So you, you build a brand new block, you hash the block and you check is the hash good or not. And the vast majority of them aren't. And you just throw away all that work and then try to compute another one over and over and over again. And every once in a while, you might get one that the hash is below the threshold value and now suddenly you're like hey cool i i just minted a new block it goes on the blockchain you get your you get your coin whatever it is and you know you win it's it's kind of a lottery but it's right. basically fighting against uh, having you know thousands or hundreds of thousands of computers fighting against random numbers over and over again so the disadvantage of that of course it's not good for the climate. Oh yeah, lots of power. Yeah, because you're you're spending a great deal of computing resources. The vast majority of that is electricity pumped into GPUs, which are good at that kind of parallel processing, and the vast majority of that is converted into heat and wasted bits that are thrown away.
0: But what if you want and, heat? <laughs> there, no, I. This time of year, do you really want heat? Not in Chicago right now. No, I've got the AC. Two cranking. months from now. Yes, two months from now, it's like I could heat the house just by uh, mining for Bitcoin. Great. Yeah. Heat so it up. Bitcoin has a
1: particular type of, of zealotry. The The article that I read in the register said uh, that there were philosophical differences. Bitcoin is probably <laughs> never going to go to anything but proof of work. There are a lot of people who very much think that that is absolutely the way to go and the environment be damned. And, and while I think the environment be damned, I don't know if proof of work is the right way to damn the environment. I feel like there are more efficient ways to waste energy, but you know, your mileage may vary. Ethereum, however, uh, whoever is running it, and I, I'm not, he's still not sure, got together sometime two years ago and said, we need to do better in things for the environment. And they are switching over to proof of stake, which happened last Thursday, the switchover.
0: And I don't think it was even just to do good things for the environment. I think they looked at other coins like Cardano that was doing this from the start. And a lot of the experts put that in air quotes were like, Oh, well, no, this is the coin that you should go to because it is so much friendlier to the earth. And then, you know, Cardano crashed. But then again, so did Ethereum because yeah. that, you know,
1: Ethereum I mean, did too, which is, which is funny because, uh, by the way, when they made the switch over, do you, do you know how much downtime the blockchain spent? I do not. About sixty seconds. Wow, that's it. Yeah, um, that's the whole fairly thing was extremely smoothly. Everything just roll. It was it was less than the length of a block, and so the whole thing just really went smoothly. Stuff just worked, and as a result, of course, Ethereum is down twenty percent this week.
0: Yeah, everything is down this week. Which it's, yeah, well, there's that. They are all tied together in a very weird way. And I read
1: several articles predicting exactly why so many people lost their value. Uh, there was, for example, an article in The Register where experts say that this 20% drop was expected and it will bounce back. And another article in, I don't know, one of the many coin rags says that uh, experts say it will continue crashing and you need to move to other coins. <laughs>
0: Nobody I don't knows. know that experts are, are necessarily as expert as they think they are. No, they've been wrong on most things. And it's interesting, again, to watch these things move in tandem. And because I really only watch uh, four coins, which is Bitcoin, Cardano, Ethereum, and Sheepcoin. And they're all four completely different things, and they all basically move together. You know, sometimes the percentages are slightly different, but if one's up, most are up, if not all. It's very you it's a watch- rarity to have like, well, hey, Cardano did great today, but Bitcoin and Ethereum crashed. Doesn't happen. You, you don't watch Tamadoge? No, should I? There's like <laughs> I, I don't
1: know. It was I, I'd never heard of Tamadoge until one of the articles that where experts said Ethereum is crashing and will continue to go down and you need to pull all your money out and put it in Tamadoge. I'm like, what the F is that? So I looked it up, by the way, it is, uh, a, a P2E coin, uh, which I, I'll get into in a minute. Play to earn is what it's called, where you mint coins to feed and train your digital pets. <laughs> oh, for sure. And, and you're old enough to remember, was it the early nineties, yeah, late
0: eighties?
1: Tamag Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi. Yes. Yeah. The, I would, I was like, if I want something that's this needy, I'll I'll get married. a little brother or something.
0: Oh, I was going to get married. right well, you have a little no, brother. No. no, I got
1: married because I wanted to be the one who was fed. <laughs>
0: right. You're like, I need somebody to help me. Don't put me out in the cold without a blanket. Don't. So Tamadoge te- is an
1: NFT-fueled uh, digital cryptocurrency that behaves like a Tamagotchi and looks like Doge's.
0: That's hilarious,
1: stupid little corgi
0: dogs or whatever the hell they are, which will take it right to the top because that's what people love. Yeah. Yeah. Because with that, look, you can't help but take it seriously. Well, and it's interesting even with Cardano, which is coming up to a fork as well. And they're like, well, either this is going to help or it is just going to make the coin worthless, which is kind of interesting on its own. uh, Well, those seem to be the two options. Yeah. Uh huh. And there's people that are split 50 50. There have been people that are like, get off and it's going to zero. And there are still tons of people who are like, well, the coins to invest in. And they listed as, this as one of them. And it's like, nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. It depends where developers go. That's, I mean, I guess it's partially where developers go to use the blockchain for their particular projects. Is that partially it's, it? And then and it's what,
1: where. It's where
0: investors go.
1: Where yes. where does the money go? Where where do angel, Which Silicon Valley startups who have an idea to mint coins do the Silicon Valley angel investors put their money into?
0: Exactly, and that's interesting when you see this. You know, articles like, "Hey, some Ethereum whale just moved like hundred and fifty million dollars worth of Ethereum into another you know coin." It's like, oh, people put big money in this. Apparently. Uh huh.
1: I mean, I mean, it is news to some people. Some people are like what's the market doing today and when when you know three people own 50 percent of the market then those three people move and you well kind of want to know
0: these things i guess i think this is part of the scam which is why when elon musk talks about a coin people feel like they should be investing in it because if he this guy's really rich so he must be smart i think that's why the news of the whales moving stuff around you're like hey if some asshole put $150 million into it, they must be smarter than me because they have a lot of money. So I should put money into it too.
1: Does anybody ever feel like we might just be reliving the, the the rise of central banking that occurred in the 1800s?
0: It's possible
1: where when, you know, before that, for the most part, you know, if there was a bank, it was a local thing, but central banking started really taking off in maybe, Maybe the 1820s, give or take a couple decades, where you just started to have really big national banks that were trying to put together and, and currencies that cross state lines, and and you got to the point, for example, where the number of people you swapped currency with surpassed your Dunbar's number, and the result to that, and you know, we've talked about Dunbar's number again. It's the it, you know, there's about 150 people that you can know and effectively think of as human. Outside of that, what you end up with is is interacting with people that your brain is incapable of thinking of as people. They're just numbers. And if you're slightly less than ethical, then they're just marks for scams. And so the rise of big banking brought with it the rise of monetary scams. And by the end of the 1800s, we had uh, federal government agencies who had kind of figured out how most of the scams worked and then, you know, a lot more popped up in the 1920s, et cetera. My history is off. But nowadays, one of the main reasons why there is so much regulation around banking and money transfers and exchanging securities is because every single one of these regulations was built up in response to a scam. And suddenly we build this money, which goes around all of that regulation and right. what are we doing we're rediscovering all the scams
0: yeah if you are somebody that follows the world of cybersecurity, oh my god it is like 90 percent now of cryptocurrency scams that's all it's yeah, about imagine that when somebody is putting a virus onto your machine now it's not really because they want to uh i mean okay occasionally they still want to steal your credit card numbers but the lowest hanging fruit is the crypto. And they know that yeah, it's it, if,
1: if you, if you have a digital wallet that you keep on your main machine and then you get malware, then suddenly your digital wallet is empty. That's Surprise! how most of these work. Uh-huh. <laughs> you do not want to do that.
0: You know, or if you have, which a digital among wallet. other
1: things is why I keep my digital wallet on a different machine.
0: Yes. It and, it, uh, it, hurt,
1: it doesn't hurt to have a raspberry Pi for that sort of thing.
0: No. And I do, and I really, I need to, uh, I was thinking again about setting up a Lightning Node on it, and uh, the Raspberry Pis are not. Ch- again, thank you, Joe Biden. Thanks, yeah. Joey. The cost, Thanks, of- Joe Biden. Yeah, everything is damn expensive, and I think you need one of the newer Raspberry Pis really to run that and run it well. Uh, one of my old ones, I realized the other day. I was doing this while uh, while watching the NASCAR race on Saturday night. I was like, Oh, look, there's a, uh, there's an update to the pie hole. So I'm on the couch. I got my tablet. I terminal into the uh, pie hole and I go to do the updates and it's like, ah, unsupported operating system. And I'm like, Oh, you- <laughs> oh God. Uh <laughs> Well, cause here's so- something I didn't realize, even though I go in and do the, you know, pseudo app get, well, now it's just apt, but upgrade and update that does not change. The distro. So when the distro goes to the next one, it doesn't care. So I was still on like Raspbian nine, and I guess it's up to eleven or something.
1: No, if you truly want to be current, you need a new distro
0: every day anyway. Probably, for the way the uh, the Linux stuff works out. And then I tried to update it and that in place, and that didn't really work. And I not only had like an eight gig card on it, and that was getting filled up, and that was a pain in the ass. So I had a thirty two gig card, and I just ended up. Nuking the whole thing and putting the uh the latest operating system on and updating that. But I was just kind of uh like the the thing that I noticed immediately when the pie hole crashed, I went to the Fox News website and it's like banner, 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 noise. Well, no I'm wonder like, the pie hole crashed. I know. I went to the Fox News website. Uh, hey, I do research, but all <laughs> all the ads started showing up, and I'm like, oh my God, this is what people see? <laughs> this this is like and I no. was yeah I was up to like one a.m. getting the pie hole back up and running because I was just like I I can't deal with five minutes of web surfing the,
1: the, yeah the the web is not worth surfing without an ad blocker just don't
0: no it's just not don't. safe <laughs> it is not safe well, it's not only
1: not safe it's it, it it's infuriating it's it's impossible to navigate it's it's ninety percent garbage that you don't want to see thrown in your face just for. And the, the amount of mental cycles necessary to sift through all of the visual trash being forced on you just so you can see the piece you want. I I, I want an automated system for that.
0: Yes. And some of these little window machines as they're talking about in the troll room, like the B link they were talking about and No Agenda, you can probably get those for cheaper than Raspberry Pis right now, which is interesting, although I don't know if I want to run Windows. Although I'm guessing you can just, hack those things and change the operating system on those as well, well. Anything
1: that can run Windows can run Linux.
0: Yeah. It'll come out of I, the box. I was
1: I was going to point out when you mentioned the expense of a Raspberry Pi that you don't have to go out and, and buy a brand new box for this sort of thing if you happen to have one laying around. Right. And I say that because my node is running on uh, one of the servers that I put downstairs, which was... Um a seven-year-old beige box because I don't need that much CPU on it. I threw a bigger drive on it. Um, I threw enough memory in it to make sure it's not going to crash. I put Debian on there. I plugged it into Ethernet and I said, go. And it, it's, you know, from the perspective of of login, you know, SSH to Linux, it doesn't matter if it's on a Pi or a, a large shelf-sized box. Now, the two disadvantages to the way I do it is that um, this thing is far less energy efficient than a Raspberry Pi, but so, in my house, whatever. <laughs> and then
0: the other is it takes up a lot more desk space, but I've got extra desks. Yeah, I've got plenty of room to stash the stuff, which means uh, I do have old laptops that are doing nothing, which could do the same job. And I'm sure they would take up a little bit more power than a Pi, but I don't know how much when the screen's not running. And the other question would be, what is the viability? of running it in a virtual machine on a NAS device that is beefy enough to handle it. I'm guessing that would work. It would work. Yeah. It's software. Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, the biggest thing absolutely necessary to running a a node for most of one of most of these, you know, the Bitcoin and lightning are the ones I run uh, is I had to go out and buy a terabyte drive and I should have got a two, but I was being cheap. That terabyte drive is two thirds full just with the Bitcoin blockchain.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of data. There's a lot of data, but I bet you're making millions by processing Bitcoin transactions through your device. You know, I would be if I'd ever close and refresh my channels. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting
1: failed. What fun transactions is that? Because I'm
0: <laughs> but it's like okay, that was something I learned. I'm like, OK, if you have a, if you've been running a pie hole forever on an old Raspberry Pi, you might want to check it. Because it may be about to be nuked because the uh, I'm guessing we just hit the point when that version of Raspbian was no longer supported. So it will no longer get updates, which is why the pie hole went. Nope, not it was like the uh, their FTL service or whatever it was. I think that faster was, than light. Yeah, it was like, no, won't won't update. Oh, like, yeah. OK. It was just an yeah. annoyance, but it's like you need that pie hole. You need something to do that job. Dnf. So do you, do, you, do you want to know
1: what I learned about the Ethereum uh yes. merge that okay. well, <laughs> I just had more notes and I'm going to get through them because I did the damn research. Uh the way that the staking works. Um well, first of all, under proof of work there were about 13,000 Ethereum mined at, uh, that you know mining the way I described. After the merge there are instead going to be 1600 Ethereum awarded per day, which is about a,
0: an eightfold decrease. Um, so the, the way amount of currency slowing down.
1: Well, yes. And, and the, you know, of course they're saying that, uh, oh, it, it's to reduce inflationary pressure. But the other thing is when, once you're not, you don't need to incentivize people to mine. You don't have to give as big awards, I guess. Uh, but so the way that it, it works now is the blockchain, and I'm not exactly certain how this works, randomly selects one stake for each block. And they they announce the stakes a couple blocks in advance, which means, you know, okay, you're up next and you're up next, and you get this spot in the list. And that causes some problems later, you know, in security, but whoever is designed to make the block work. They put out a block and they receive an award of a little bit of Ethereum. In order to get a stake, in order to be in this pool, you have to uh, you have to stake thirty Ethereum. Hence the the name of the stake. And what that means is you wrap up your thirty Ethereum in order and just put it into a, a virtual pool that you can't touch it. And now you are one of the people who might be randomly chosen. Um, you also don't get that back right now. There's no mechanism in the current version to get that money back at all. But they're saying, well, in the future you might be able to withdraw from that account. Okay, fine. But the vast majority of people don't
0: have 30 Ethereum to stake. Right, cuz so, Ethereum's like 15-1600 bucks now.
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's 20% less than that now, but it, yeah, it was it was 1680 last week and now it's a lot less. but anyway. So, one of the first things that immediately popped up as soon as they announce that you're going to need 30 Ethereum to stake is, well, what if we pool them? And you and people have come up with Ethereum staking pools where you go in and you create an account with some centralized service who will take all of your Ethereum that you want to stake. They will put it into a staking pool. And depending on how much you put in, when the staking pool is selected to mine the block, you get your proportional amount of that Ethereum coming in, makes which sense. I is, I mean, it it's a natural outgrowth of the way they just described it. But oh, what does that do? Well, one of the things they've already learned less than a week into the switchover is that Coinbase, Kraken and Lido now control over 50 percent of all of the stakes in Ethereum with their staking pools.
0: Sounds about right, because they're huge.
1: They're huge and they pretty much, I mean, so one of the reasons for proof of work and one of the reasons that, you know, one of the philosophies behind Bitcoin all the time was, well, we need to make sure that nobody ever has enough power that they can control the whole chain so nobody can ever get more than 50%. Right. And right now with this switch over, these three group, these three pools all control over 50% of all the stakes in Ethereum, which I don't know. I don't know yet if if that's a huge problem, but it's concerning. It it means that Ethereum just got centralized a
0: lot, so, which could screw with the price. I mean, I know some of these other smaller coins that have had problems. Yeah, that it was the way it got crashing. taken over, right?
1: It could keep crashing, according to some experts, and other experts <laughs> say it'll definitely bounce back.
0: Well, yeah, some say it's going to crash. Some say it's going to the moon. And now, one of the it's cr- it's it's Go gambling. On. That's all this is is gambling. Everything is... Well, life is gambling, so... Yeah, well, there's that. So, one of the problems with the way
1: that the stakes are uh, announced is, you know, several blocks in advance when, uh, when you're going to be the stake. But as soon as your name gets picked out of the pool randomly, you become a DDoS target. Because if somebody can knock you offline before you get your block out when you're chosen... You lose your place in line and the whole line advances. Suddenly, this becomes an avenue for malware to say, no, no, I want my place advanced in line. I want to be the one chosen for stake. Let's just keep knocking stakeholders offline until we get our block. Well, that's inconvenient. It's, yeah. Yeah. So all that said, one of the things that I ran across while I was trying to figure out this Ethereum, and this was the thing that I really came ready to, to one, marvel at, to, to rant about, to or at least sit here and go, what the hell is today was the first time that I learned the term play to earn. Are you familiar
0: with this term? No, but it sounds like something they're doing that, yeah, if you play a video game, you'll get some crypto. That's pretty much what it is. it is. It's you get. And not just crypto, because
1: most of these companies that use play to earn are offering NFTs as in-game
0: rewards. Oh, well, NFTs are just even better than crypto.
1: And one of the one of the games that they really pointed out, and I was a little blown away at their numbers, is something called Axie Infinity, which is effectively Pokemon, but with monsters that each monster is an NFT. Uh, And they say that this game has 2.8 million daily users, which blows me away. Because in order to get into the game, you have to purchase three NFTs at market prices, which can be hundreds of dollars each. Once you're in, then by simply playing the game, you can win more NFTs as you beat monsters in this Pokemon game. Now, I'm too old to appreciate Pokemon. I was definitely moved on to first person shooters by the time that the Pokemon genre came out, but it kind of went. Crazy with people a few years younger than me, and I'm really worried that this is just the idea of oh well, all you have to do is buy in once and you can just start earning NFTs by playing this video game. It has the word pyramid scheme written all over it, and it scares the hell out of me that there's 2.8 million people doing this daily. But that seems to be the
0: the current state of the play to earn. Well, yeah, pyramid scheme and gambling again. But the interesting thing to me is they need a way, I mean, they, the proverbial, the all, um, they, they need a way to make NFTs. They is the enemy on this show. Yes. to, To make it worth something. Because as we've talked about in our breakdown of NFTs in the past, I mean, it's great when our buddy comic strip blogger takes one of his doodles and says, this is an NFT. You can buy it. That is nice. If you're trying to help the artists out, you don't really own anything. It's just a digital copy of something that you're like, Hey, I've got this. That's great. What's not even a digital, what it is, is it's a digital certificate. It's a, it's a title. It's a receipt.
1: Yeah. They're, they're trying to drive up the value of something that is plentiful by creating scarcity saying, well, sure. You can copy a JPEG infinite times, but you can't copy this proof of ownership of the JPEG So it's scarce
0: and it's worth something. The JPEGs aren't scarce and the certificate isn't worth anything. That's why a lot of those have fallen to the wayside. But this, this concept actually makes more sense to me because we know how crazy people are with some of these video games, including Pokemon, which started as a card game and then turned into a virtual game with your phones where Pokemon were in real places and people... When you saw a bunch of people walking around, like looking at their phones while they walked around the area, they were playing a yeah. stupid Pokemon game. And I, our buddy Gene plays these space games where there's you can buy certain ships and you can own things in the virtual world that, I mean, really have no value. But if you play the game, they do, I guess.
1: And- Has it occurred to you that society basically peaked in 2016 when everybody was walking around staring at their phones looking for Pokemon <laughs> in the real world?
0: And it's only gotten worse since then. I mean, that's, uh, it's feeling like it. Yeah. It may have, but this is where if you're, if you're playing a game, and I can understand this to a certain extent, meaning, you know, if you were playing in a virtual auto racing league and, well, you wanted the best engine, well, maybe you would pay to own the best engine. And that was an NFT. So that way, if you wanted to sell it to somebody else, you could do that. And, uh, that's really the only way to make these things worth while I believe beyond the folks who have figured out that you could attach it to a physical object, which there is a bunch of companies doing right now, including eBay. Uh, I I think that's the trick with
1: NFTs and people are starting to figure it out is we we started with NFTs trying to attach uh, a, a token to plentiful items and creating scarcity and creating value through a perceived scarcity that is only held up by hype. Right. But the NFTs that are working are the ones that have, that are backed by something that can actually have scarcity, physical items, for yes. example. Exactly. Or, by the way, if for in-game items and this, this might be the key, uh the game mechanics themselves can enforce scarcity. Sure. It's all bits in a database, but if you control the database, you can, Induce scarcity, you know, if you're the, the game company, and then sell
0: NFTs on the scarcity that is induced by your game code. Right. I mean, we remember when Second Life came out. Hey, you could buy your own bit of land. Well, that'll all be NFTs now. The it, deed. It kind of is. Uh-huh. The deed to <laughs> they your didn't, virtual palace. They didn't palace. have
1: blockchain in Second Life, but that's effectively what you did.
0: Now they just need hey, to roll Real that in. For digital goods. Yeah. Yeah. This is where we're going, I think. I mean, because that's the only thing that makes sense to me to have an NFT that isn't attached to a physical object. Now, I think the people that are doing this, including eBay and Beckett and Golden Auctions and a few other ones, I'm sure, that say, hey, we'll take this very expensive baseball, football, whatever card you've got, you know, we'll take that Michael Jordan rookie and we'll vault it for you and we'll make that an NFT, which means whoever has the NFT. Owns the card, which I think is oh, genius. I, you, you just made me wonder because I know that
1: on random Thoughts, you talk a lot about the the baseball card graders and oh yeah how it's not clear whether they've they've enhanced the baseball card card trading system or completely ruined it. But right now, what do you get out of that? They give you a grade, but what does that look like? A, a piece of paper, a certificate, an email.
0: They that's going to be an NFT. Oh yeah. Right now, what they do is they put it in a little plastic thing that cannot be opened. They're sonically sealed. So, you know, once they're open, you can crack them open, but they're never going back in. This is to guarantee the validity of the thing inside. So when you send a card to them, it comes back sealed. When you send a comic book to them, it comes back sealed. Uh, They just started doing uh, stupid Funko Pops grading, which is. Oh, my God. I know. Which is absolutely insane, but for these items that are worth a lot of money, I mean, you could take that original Superman comic and have Beckett or whoever, eBay, store that in their vault, and you just get the NFT, which means if you sell that, if I have that NFT and I sell it to you, well, now, if you want to, you can go to eBay and say, send me that. I own that. But I mean... the 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 idea of the the sealable
1: container is absolutely right for the physical world. I just feel like somebody somewhere is finally going to jump on the idea of well, our company who grades baseball cards could just maintain a blockchain, and we always put our grades on the blockchain, and right. those are indelible.
0: Seems right. so much easier. Well, you just have to make sure it's that card. That's the what the little plastic things with the you know. At this time, they have a serial number, but they could very easily just have a... uh, I mean, do you? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, uh, once
1: you have the NFT, then who cares about the card? The NFT is what's
0: valuable, remember? Right, because that is the card. Yeah. And you could get the card back at any time. once,
1: Once you send the card to the grader, they just shred it and issue you an NFT and say, this is worth $6 million.
0: The uh, Derek Jeter just started up his own card grading company. So this is growing rapidly right now. And I'm really pissed. I didn't think of this like 10 years ago because the amount of money that's being spent for these cards to get graded. It's really like an average, uh, the low end. I shouldn't even say the average to get a card graded is between 18 and $20 a card. So crazy. Yeah. And most cards are not worth 18 to $20. That's the rub. That is the rub, but this is why it's gambling because my dad like had a bunch of Justin Verlander rookie cards that he bought, you know, probably a buck a piece way back when Justin Verlander broke in. Now the cards are probably worth if they're graded, you know, a seven or an eight, they're probably worth 20 bucks, but if they're a 10, they could be worth 200, but you're going to spend 20 per card gambling. to right. it's we're right back to gambling. Because you're like, well, maybe I'll get a 10. If I get a 10, it's worth more. But if I get an eight, well, then I just pay $20 to grade a $20 card so I can sell it for 20 bucks, which means it's zero because I just spent that $20 getting it graded.
1: I mean, what you're saying is that the, you know, there's a lot of money to be made in this market, but it's not the people who have boxes of baseball cards. It's not the people mining for gold. It's the people selling them shovels.
0: Right. That's what the it's folks the graders. figured. Yes, they figured this out. They're the ones making money hand over fist, and for there are some very weird things, as I've mentioned on random. And Thought. seriously, what is the grading
1: process exactly? Is there any kind of uh, of formal process that they check? Do they have a checklist? Do they do they have a set of criteria that it has to meet, or or is it really just somebody pulls the thing out, glances at it, gives it to the dog to sniff a
0: couple times, and be <laughs> like, yeah, okay, that's an eight. Kind of. Uh, Beckett will actually grade it and give you a 10 grade on the edges, the corners, the surface condition and centering of the image. So, I mean, at least they give you an idea of the criteria they're looking for, but it's still very subjective. You're saying I'm not going to get a 10 from all the ones that were in my bicycle spokes? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. But, uh. Some of the older cards, it doesn't matter what condition they're in, just the rarity of the card itself. But this is where the scam comes in, is that it's been, you know, well documented that people who have sent cards in and maybe got it graded in an eight and thought it was better sent it back in again and ended up getting a nine or ten. I mean, this is not something that is tried and true, which is why we could really use, you know, our buddy CSB or somebody to write an AI. Because I said this to my wife. I'm like, the reality is, as I just said. They're looking at corners, they're looking at the condition of the the card itself, they're looking if it's centered, they're looking at the corners and edges, I may have said one of those twice, but a scanner should be able to get all of this information, scan the card in, and have an AI that can spit out the same number every time for, you know, if the card's a little bent up, whatever, then you don't have to worry about the human factor. If there were
1: deterministic criteria, then you would get the same thing every time. But I, there aren't. And that is why, you know, I think the whole thing is a scam. It is. I was playing I was playing a, a video game recently that uh, you know, like every video game these days has a crafting component where you can craft your stuff. And uh it, one of the the weird mechanics of this one was that before you built your weapon out of the components, you would have your Uh, your your ingot or whatever the hell you put into it, that there was a device called uh, a material grader that you put the material into. And the idea was, uh, you know, when you get all these raw materials that you get off of murdering enemies, you put them through the grader so that you know what the quality of the item is. And then you use the higher quality stuff to build better guns, et cetera, keep going. But of course, the actual mechanics in the game of how the material grader worked is you take an ungraded item and you put it through the grader, it rolls some dice and you get the grade coming out, A, B, C, whatever, and it modifies the stats of the raw material that you then use to build the better gun, which is a great metaphor for, I think, how all of these graders work, which is that you send your baseball card in to one of these companies, they roll some dice, you know, consult a Ouija board and go, okay, this one's a seven. Oh, oh, a box cars. This one's a 12. It,
0: well, and that, I think that's how it works. That's the insanity here because when you go down the line with PSA, who's one of the biggest companies that does this, it's like, okay, a 10 is a gem mint 10, but you know, eight is like excellent and seven is like near mint for most people. If you were just eyeballing the card, you would not be able to tell the difference between a seven and a 10. I assure you, I can't. So this and I'm is, pretty sure if I still have any cards around here, they're all in the three to five range, you know, and that's where the scam comes. Uh Sometimes it's an item that is just rare enough to where it's worth it to have it encapsulated. Like the weirdest thing that value wise that I've sold on eBay this year, my dad saves everything when it comes to baseball stuff. And we had. The four ticket stubs, my parents, my wife, and I were all at Michael Jordan's first spring training game with the White Sox back in 94, I think it was, down in Sarasota. We put up a ticket stub for that. I talked to a buddy of mine who was really into the ticket stuff. And I'm like, well, what's this thing worth? And he's like, well, you know, those are selling for about 250 bucks. And I'm like, well, it's a ticket stub. That's crazy, right? How much did the ticket cost? (laughs) It was a $10 ticket. (laughs) <laughs> so I put it up on eBay. I'm like, I just want to see because I thought these were in pretty good condition, and I put it up on eBay for a buy it now of nine hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents, and it sold within two hours. I I used to use ticket
1: stubs as bookmarks for uh-huh. things. I need to go go to my bookshelf and <laughs> check my old all the old crappy sci
0: fi novels I used to read. Yeah. People Uh, pay for weird stuff. So immediately see if I left one in there. (laughs) Uh huh. The other three ticket stubs, I sent those in to now be authenticated, which that for the ticket stubs is like 50 bucks. But my fear with anything like that is, well, one, they're going to get bent or the guy's going to get it and be like, oh, I didn't really want to spend this kind of money. So I'll bend the ticket stub and tell eBay, oh, no, this was this was damaged. Well, this is when you get one of those plastic cases. Uh huh. That's exactly it. That's why I sent these in to get that. Cause that's the one I didn't think it was going to sell for anywhere near that. And it's like, that's bizarre. Michael Jordan tickets are bizarre, but that I think we may have talked about, or I did a random thoughts on it. The guy that went to Michael Jordan's first NBA game and he was new in town. He was going to school here in Chicago and his dad got him a pair of tickets for the game because they were playing. I think he was from Washington state. Cause I think they were playing Seattle. So the guy went to the okay. game and he couldn't find anybody. Seattle probably lost. Probably. But the guy couldn't find anybody to go with him. So he picked up the two tickets at will call. Only one was ripped, which he can't find, oddly enough. But the unused ticket stub sold for like $1.8 million. D- does the person who bought that know that they're probably not going to be able to attend the game? <laughs> if you have a Well, if you have a time machine, you can go back. And maybe and- that's it. You, see you know the game. that'd be
1: an interesting plot for for a sci-fi story. Is somebody who you know spends a one point eight million dollars to get a, a mint condition ticket for a game in the past, so that they can go back and attend the game.
0: Uh huh. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Progo wants to know how we know that I didn't fabricate the tickets up. If I had the ability to do so, well, there'd be a lot of money being made. Yeah. Yeah. You would if you could. Yes. No doubt. This is exactly it. But it's a very weird. uh It's a very weird space. But I understand it because, as you said, nobody, and this is where a lot of the things that end up being collectible and worth a lot of money, they are things that nobody thought was worth any money at the time.
1: I still don't think they're worth any money. I just think that there are a lot of suckers out
0: there. That is probably true, too. And it's like, I will separate them from their money. Yeah. I, will, I will help I, my dad. And, and I guess, them. I guess, you know, basic economics, uh, the the value
1: of something is what someone is worth Willing to pay for it, so I guess I'm wrong about them not being worth anything.
0: Yes. Well, this all came as a follow. But I wouldn't pay that much. No. Well, this was the follow up of wow. If a you know unused ticket stuff for George, if people are collecting the tickets, they want then I don't have two million dollars to spend, but I can afford this one, so that's the one I'll get. And it's the the one the only guy, which is the buddy that told me he thought they were worth about two hundred and fifty bucks. I met him uh, online. Because he was a Carlton Fisk collector. And Carlton Fisk was one of my favorite players growing up. And I had the only, I'm the only person that I've ever run into, and I run into myself a lot, that had really good luck getting autographs from Carlton Fisk. A lot of people say he was a jerk, he didn't like to sign. I had the exact opposite uh, thing with them. I don't know why. Maybe because I was polite as a kid. I got way less polite as an adult. Um, but this guy, he has a collection. He started doing this years ago. And he's down to needing only like 10 or 12 tickets to have a ticket stub from every game Carlton Fisk played in in his 20-year-plus career. And he was able to do this because the ticket stubs aren't worth nothing. And he used to go around to these baseball card shows and just be like, hey, do you have old tickets? I'll give you money for them. And people probably thought he was an idiot. They would go dump off all of his tickets. But now he's probably sitting on a gold mine.
1: Yeah, and now you're making me regret a number of the (laughs) Trash uh, collections that I had back in the day. Yeah. Although I, I i think my my thought about going and, and raiding my, my bookmark supply to look for old tickets, I don't think is going to pan out. I don't think I'm going to win that. But because the main thing is most of them are Seattle Mariners tickets. Well, there you go. Although and I'll, I don't think anyone cares. Although I did. Uh, I had season tickets during Ichiro Suzuki's re- rookie season. That's probably the most valuable things I'd have.
0: Yeah, if you have an Which ichiro, I still wouldn't pay anything for these days, <laughs> but somebody might. Somebody paid, there was one, because I looked this stuff up on eBay just to tell my dad what tickets to look through, because having season tickets for the White Sox for 30-plus years, he's got a lot of ticket stubs. There was one that sold on eBay, which was Ken Griffey Jr.'s game in his rookie season, and I guess Ken Griffey Sr. was here playing the Cubs, and there was an article in the local papers how this was the first time that Ken Griffey Senior was ever in the ballpark when Ken Griffey Junior was playing in the majors because of course they're both major league players so it's really hard to go watch your kid play. Yeah, but he was at this game and the ticket stub from that game sold for five hundred bucks just Damn. because it was Ken Griffey Junior's first game that his dad was and pe- that the story behind that put a value on that. Now if you had like one of Nirvana's early ticket stub, you know if you went to a Nirvana concert back in the You know, early days that would be worth money, or the last of anything. because they
1: sucked back then. (laughs) They weren't any good
0: until Cobain was done doing music. There you go. Well, see, this is why. But there's just weird. That's not actually true. You know, weird stuff is worth money to people. Old concert tickets are one; they're hard to find, and two, even tickets that I have had in a box that no light has been hitting for decades. A lot of them just fade away to nothing because of the cheap ass paper and printing that was used with Ticketmaster well, tickets. Because when they were printed, they needed to exist for what, like a maximum of a week. Right. They weren't meant to last the ages, which is why the ones that somehow did ex- that were able to be saved and preserved for years are worth money. Now, it's, it just depends I, on what I don't th- get it. I don't either. I don't get it either. But anything that seems that was meant to be a collectible, I mean, you don't want to go buy like, hey, we just put out the brand new uh, Wolfman Jack collectible plate. Well, that's never going to be worth anything. One
1: of the other things that popped up while I was digging into play to earn with my jaw hanging open that people would pay for this sort of thing was something called Ubisoft Quartz, which uh, I'm surprised I never spotted this Back when it was came out, because it was announced in December of 2021, and they issued their first one at the end of December, and they stopped issuing them in April. Um, it was uh, an, a, a a quote new energy efficient playable NFT that uh, I think the only game they ever added them to was uh, Ghost Recon Ghost Recon Breakpoint. I guess that's a game. I don't know. It's hard to tell because the Ubisoft got a handle on, oh, we'll just, you know, we get the rights to all of Tom Clancy's games. Right. So now we're going to put out 700 of
0: them. They all sound the same. All of his books read the same, though. So it's OK.
1: Well, there is that. I. Yeah. But didn't he do State of Fear that um, I don't remember? That was the one book nobody ever read because it was banned in 190 countries. It was banned in the USA. It will be down. Well, I did. and sure it is now. Unless it was LGBTQ it, it stuff. Doubts, it doubts climate change.
0: Course. Oh, well, see, that's
1: why it's bad. Um, I I might be off on, was that Clancy? I don't remember. Um. Anyway, the yeah, they, they pushed it. They were like, this is an energy-efficient NFT. Well, it's energy-efficient because they're not using proof of work to build the Ubisoft-controlled blockchain. They're just running a script that generates a new block every once in a while. And uh, what you had to do was, uh, if you played a lot of Ghost Recon Breakpoint, you got what was called digits which were in-game cosmetic items that were backed by this nft
0: hey baby can and, i get uh, your digits it was
1: it was the the classic you know you can get you can get stuff in by in-game play yeah but you get a helmet with 600 hours in the game no nope, nobody should be playing that game anyway so apparently they they issued an nft they attached it to one of their video games they made it so you can earn nfts in game although um they said, you must be 18 in order to open an NFT wallet, which I think disqualifies 80% of the people who play these games. But what do I know? Um, but I ran across it because the uh, CEO, Guillermo, De- Yama- I'm not going to pronounce that right, um, did an interview last week um, where somebody had asked him, hey, are you guys going to issue any more NFTs? And he says, well, we don't have any plans to operate in the NFT market. Anymore. We were in research mode when we issued that, and we should have made it more clear that we were just working on the concept.
0: So what he's saying is it didn't really work.
1: It didn't work at all. But putting NFTs, you've not seen the last of putting NFTs into video games, though. The NFTs are now the new achievements. Nobody cares about the achievements or trophies in a game anymore. But what if you can get a
0: real world item on a blockchain? Well, that's the well, that's the genius. Again. Our buddy Gene is totally addicted to those space games. If there was an NFT of the biggest, baddest ship and he had to buy it, he would probably spend way too much money on it. And this would be an interesting thing. Any money is way too much, in my opinion. I would agree that I would agree, but there will be a uh, there'll be a marketplace of kids that are good enough at the game to get these things awarded to them and then selling them on the secondary market for insane amounts of prices. It'll happen, no doubt. I, I Yeah, th- this genie is not going back into
1: the bottle. There will be companies coming out and saying, you know, it, 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 until the NFT market collapses, there are going to be companies coming out and saying, you know, do this and you can earn NFTs, go, you know, buy our game, install our Pokemon, uh, play Ghost Recon and our, you know, our 274th Tom Clancy title and you can earn NFTs jump off of a skyscraper and you can earn NFTs. yeah
0: there's all, there's way I mean, too many people they called the suicide coin in the nft space uh progo says the on the as far as the tickets low quality paper and printing therefore you can't authenticate any of them you're buying a thing that can't be authenticated well see but nothing can actually be authenticated but people can say they are authenticated and that's good enough for most people but I, the reality is if you have and i don't know how big these things were. But if anybody out there has a slew of old uh, blank Ticketmaster tickets and a, one of the old Ticketmaster printers. <laughs> can
1: say, if anybody out there has just the right quality cardstock and and a laser printer. <laughs>
0: I think, well, I don't know if these were uh, laser printed. I mean, you have to use the same technology to. Not, uh, not for a casual glance. True, not for a casual glance. But for people that I mean, know what they're looking when, for, if you want to be able to. When laser to, printers
1: uh, first came out, people were. We're printing
0: hundred dollar bills until the secret
1: (laughs) service came out and still were like,
0: hold on a moment. Yeah. Wait a minute there, bucko. Uh, You know, that's not legal, right? No, (laughs) I didn't know. Legal. No, but it, you know, you can make a quick hundred dollars. It's an art project. People, if you give it to somebody that's high, they won't know the difference. Okay. Okay. I got, I got my first laser printer. I immediately went out and started printing coins. How did that work? (laughs) It doesn't. (laughs) well I mean, though you could get one of these uh these uh what do you call them the physical printers the uh the three d printers three d printer yeah did you see that well, story it, on bleeping computer and the,
1: do the three d printers operate on metal um i mean at that point it's just a mint
0: well this is their printing steak 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 meat steak not like proof of steak no actual steak what oh,
1: okay well if I get like three d printed beef i'm gonna want proof of steak
0: yeah <laughs> I think uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is still in the early stages, but this was just and there's a video on bleeping computer as part of the article, which is well worth watching. Just there's to, no way in hell they get the texture right. This is see this is what they're working on. And there's they're like, well, no, you can print up any you know combination that there be that they're able to put down. And the biggest problem right now is they still need like stem cells and like crap from an embryo of a murdered calf or, you know, there's some, there's some very inconvenient. Yeah, I know. That just makes you think, mmm, dinner. But yeah, my (laughs) mouth is watering just hearing you describe it. (laughs) But it shows this stuff being printed and then it takes a couple of days, but they're like the muscle then actually forms and it is as close to real beef as they've been able to get yet. But the fact is not just like it's printed down. It's like, well, it's printed down. And then this organic material actually becomes pretty much steak. And it was just very weird. I mean,
1: for, for loose definitions of steak, I suppose, you know what? This is probably still better than printing them out of ABS plastic, which is what you get at a lot of fast food places.
0: Well, well, that was Steve Martin's bit from back in the eighties was everything at McDonald's comes out of the same machine. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like and, and it's usually the usually the milkshake machine uh-huh well, he, well he was, the bit was great because he's like oh big mac chicken mcnuggets <laughs> paper hat <laughs> and it's like it was all just yeah all the same ingredients pretty
1: much well see i i, I mean I, it's been a while since i've eaten anything at mcdonald's but um, my memory is that it all tastes exactly the same it all tastes like the paper hat so yeah it
0: tasted like salted paper at some point yeah a lot of sodium. but i was like do people really want this? Is it? This, it's like I I know there are some people who have an ethical problem who are like, well, I don't like when you kill like an animal to get me food. Is this any better, really, than that? Like, is this better to somehow take the genes of an animal and then continue to reproduce them in a lab? And what about the setting? animals
1: that don't wear jeans?
0: Right. Or what about Gene? What
1: about Gene himself? Now, well, oh wait, if you're gonna. Are you talking about killing Gene to make a steak? Because you're in, you're are you, all but, in on that. I, I hate to tell you this, this that doesn't scale.
0: No, damn. I mean, you can get a few steaks out of him, though. I mean, he's not small. Yeah, but I mean, have you seen him? He, they'd be a little stringy. That's true. That's true. He is old. So I mean, you need to. Uh, you want to go with the younger, younger, uh, the younger stock from that. But yes, it yes. was just Each a, millennials. <laughs> Right. That's they're plentiful and they they're very <laughs> easily distracted by shiny objects. So it's not even that hard. Yes. Just, just flash a TikTok video. They'll be immediately docile. You can. <laughs> That's when you hit them with the stun gun. Yeah. Yeah. Just like going to the stockyards. It's just like going to the slaughterhouse. Nothing new here, but they want to print this stuff up. And it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, even if they get to the point to where it tastes exactly the same, my worry would be that there's going to be some kind of contamination done that this is going to, this will be what sets the end of mankind down. This will be like the first domino going because we're going to. No, no. The first domino is long behind us. Is it? We're already on the, uh, we're already on the path oh, yeah. to hell. Oh, we're already building back better. Oh, well then let's just do it. Let's do it. Good. Let's blow this whole planet to smithereens, but I don't know I if mean, I want the, uh, the 3d printed meat. I mean, has it ever occurred to you that you have
1: already lived through the absolute best humanity will ever accomplish?
0: I have had that feeling, yeah, because it it seems like the downward spiral has been going now for over a decade. And I I mean, I know everything you can say goes in waves and stages, but we're not seeing the turnaround. So did, did
1: it occur to you in 1994 that this was the best that we that society would ever be?
0: Yes. What happened in 94, though, specifically? I don't know. I was in high school. Well, there you go. I was just out of college where life seemed like everything was rosy. There was no podcasting, though. So, I mean, it wasn't the epitome of mankind because podcasting uh, didn't exist yet. I mean,
1: there there might not have been podcasting, but I was, I was downloading ASCII babes on my BBS.
0: <laughs> that, what more do you need? Really? What more do you need than ASCII babes?
1: Well, there were also actual females in the world. Uh, I was a little bit of a nerd, so they didn't talk to me, but that didn't keep me from ogling them in class.
0: No, well, at least you didn't get, uh, you know, slapped in the middle of science class or anything. That might have happened. (laughs) Once or twice or three times. (laughs) Hey, but, you know, the world moves on, technology moves on. I'll be interested to see. I know we talked about at one point otter.ai which was uh, a service that mainly offers transcripts. And of course, I got a lot less excited about that once I realized that the Adobe suite, you could throw any audio file you wanted into Adobe Premiere and it would create a transcript for you. Sweet. Yeah. So for all of these services, and Otter is still this way, I went to look, and it's still based on how many like hours that they'll do a month. And the more you want, the more you pay. It's like, again, just go get an Adobe sweet way cheaper and again sweet but one of the things that otter ai is pimping on their new update to the free platform and others i'm sure as of next week is a feature called automatic outline that is only explained by saying provides you with a summary after your discussions to help you navigate the conversation and i'm wondering is this AI created chapters for podcasts? Is that what this will be?
1: That would be a valuable service. If yes, you know, if they can output this in a PC 20 compliant chapters file, that'd just be okay. Let's do that.
0: Yeah. That would be worth paying for right off the bat. I'm like, Oh, what would I pay to have chapters done automatically for my podcasts? Uh, I'd pay 20, 30 bucks a month, probably for that to go across all the podcasts. It saves enough. I know
1: for sure that, I would not agree with all of the chapter locations.
0: Of. No, I'm sure. But does anybody ever agree with any of the chapter? Lo- and that's the interesting thing with chapters I mean, nobody has to agree with the chapter locations that I said, but I don't care. The how used do you is that the right uh, grammatic way to say that? How used are chapters? How many people do you think actually use the chapters to navigate a podcast? I'm still don't curious. I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know if it's possible to get
1: stats on that, but I do know that there are analytics companies who are probably furiously trying to figure out how.
0: Now, if you could automate I, them, I think that would be great. I,
1: think I mean, it's- if, if you have a podcast app that, that collects, collects usage data, then you probably can get that
0: information. Now, I get the concept. If somebody goes from one topic to another to have a different chapter, most conversational podcasts weave in and out so much that that's a little yeah. bit harder to do. I've never thought chapters made that
1: much sense for a show like Grumpy Old Ben's or, or Planet no, Rage because you, you just bounce in and out of topics whenever. And then sometimes you'll go back. I'll be like, nope, I've got three more lines of notes and I'm going to go back, <laughs> drag us kicking and screaming. Yeah, we got to get and through those that's notes. hard to chapter. Yes. Now, if you have like uh, Angry Tech News, that format lends itself pretty well to chapters.
0: Yes. You, could you because you literally go from one topic to the other and you don't go back.
1: Yeah. And and i like, I even put uh, uh, the cat sounds in between, which very clearly delineates.
0: Meow. Yeah. Next chapter, please. See, that makes sense. But it's like, if somebody can automate that, I'm all for it. And I like that no agenda has the chapters because I do go back every now and then and usually just trying to grab an ISO and figure out where it yeah. is. In the audio I also file. think the
1: value of chapters is much higher with a three-hour show than with a 20-minute show.
0: But with the way it's crowdsourced and the way uh, Dreb Scott does the chapters, there are a lot of chapters. So it's like, I don't even, it's not like you're going from yeah. topic to topic. It's like every new thing that's mentioned or every name that you know, just shows up in a chapter. So it'll be interesting to see how this AI decides well, to give you an option. Which is probably valuable,
1: but when, when you need a filter function in order to filter the list of chapters, then Yes. And they're not they're They've changed their
0: function. It may be a little too much. Well, that's why I do like the transcripts now that we have the ability to create those. And it's fairly quick to do. And it just makes the whole thing for people to be able to go to that particular episode and do a search for a keyword. So if you're looking for, hey, those guys were talking about uh, AI or they were talking about NFT, well, you could just go type in NFT and every mention you'll get right to it. To me, that's way more interesting than chapters. Assuming the AI can get NFT correct. Well, that's true. I've noticed. For, for as
1: long as the, you know, for as long as, as you know, agenda has a host, John C. Dvorak. <laughs> hey,
0: the Adobe, I, I, I shake my head every time because it will spell my name differently at different points in the same transcript. It will spell O'Neill with one L. It'll spell O'Neill with two L's. It'll spell O'Neill N E A L. It's like I understand that, but why is it not the same every time? That I find a little weird, and it Inflection. does not. It does not understand spelling. So spelling no. random thoughts, especially quickly, it confuses the hell out of it.
1: I I watched a few of his shows back in the '90s, and I didn't understand Aaron spelling.
0: <laughs> well, the little B H nine zero two one zero. Nope. The original, it right? Just wasn't. No, it just wasn't my thing. <laughs> you went to the uh, you went to the uh, newly updated BH 90210 whenever that was out. No, no, I didn't. No, you weren't watching that. Hey, I've been watching uh, uh, you know, if, the, the OC. OK,
1: I, you know what I was watching back then? I was watching porn that I had downloaded on my BBS. Yeah, I probably was, too, because, but now I'm watching because the, the OC. characters characters were just as hot. They weren't wearing clothes and the dialogue was better.
0: There was dialogue. Do Sometimes se- Do you search your porn? Do you, do you get the, the, transcripts of your porn so you can search via transcript?
1: I'm just saying they had more in more in depth and engaging plots than Beverly Hills 90210.
0: Well, that may be true, but you can watch it with the sound off. That's fine.
1: Usually you, do. It's bad. There's a limit to how much I want my wife knowing I watch.
0: She's like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> what are you doing? Research for the podcast. Yeah, that's a different podcast. <laughs> While having a three D printed steak and maybe a little uh a little alcoholic beverage, a little adult beverage, a little uh
1: Those are definitely research for the podcast.
0: Yeah. I've often you know, I wanted like, to do I that. need
1: more I need more alcohol before I can stomach this three D printed
0: steak. I mean, I have like I think thirty or forty different Irish whiskeys that haven't even been opened down in the bar. And at one point I was thinking, well, I'll just start doing I'll do a YouTube channel. And I never have. So now I just have a lot of booze. And that's not a bad thing. No, I mean, there are worse the things. You know what? To be fair, the booze might be appreciating in value more than stocks or NFTs or uh, anything else.
1: Okay. Somebody outside is making a hell of a racket. I don't know if that's coming through the microphone.
0: No, I thought is it maybe it's a SWAT team. Are they finally in, coming down on your location?
1: No, it sounds like somebody's hammering on the side of a metal canister or something.
0: Oh, it could be the homeless problem you have going on there. Have you, have you tried relocating any of those people to Martha's Vineyard? Let me get up and I'm going to go shut. the. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Grumpy Old Ben's pro- podcast. I'm going to say pro- program, but then I changed that to podcast, though it came out podcast. Is that a new term? Do we just create a new term? It's the podcast. Grumpy Old Ben's. Tell a friend. GrumpyOldBenz.com. You too can be an expert. Just go to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate, and you too will get a certificate of authenticity attached to an NFT proving that you are indeed an expert. Uh, Earthpipe, you may not be a nerd, but me, is. No question about that. But hey, I don't know. With the 3D printed steak, it just seems like a very weird concept. It does not seem to be natural. It seems like something can go so horribly wrong, and I'm guessing the window might have been in the bathroom, and uh, Ryan just decided to uh, to hang out there for a little while. That is possible. Pulled up another article, which I thought this was concerning more than anything else. Scientists calculated, calculated, they calculated the global. Population of ants on the planet. Do you want to guess how many ants are on the planet Earth? And I don't mean like ants and uncles. Okay. I mean the little creatures, little insects, the ones they want us to eat for protein because they're yummy and taste like say, pepper. About about 350. 350 What? I don't know. um Ants, <laughs> just three hundred and fifty <million>? total. <laughs> three fifty. That's it. There, there can't be. There can't be more than three hundred and fifty. They calculated. They just—they're really good
1: at uh, you know being everywhere at once.
0: That it would be true. The scientist, according to Business Insider, which I have no idea why this was on Business Insider, twenty ants are big business. Yes, twenty quadrillion ants, or or two point five million ants per person on the planet Earth. So that's a lot of fucking ants. Yeah, I think I've got more than that. I think. You should, well, then you should put that honey away and stop them from. <laughs> they could carry you your house away. Stop waxing my
1: floors. Yeah. Uh-huh. Stop waxing my floors with
0: sugar water. You're like, why is it crunchy when I walk to the bathroom? <laughs> that's no good. That's no good. It's like uh, they say if that means if all the ants were taken out of the ground and dried up, they would weigh more than all of the wild birds and wild mammals combined. I believe that. Like, okay. But not
1: necessarily more than all of Americans combined.
0: No one said they would be about as heavy as one fifth of the dry your weight mom. of all humans on Earth. So I guess that means if we take the humans and we just get rid of the water. I, I mean, there's know. definitely a your mom joke in there somewhere. And yeah, right. I was just like, that's a lot of ants, man. So that seems like an infestation kind of a problem. Okay, seriously,
1: coming back. Okay. So the clanking was, uh, a city worker unloading one of those giant tractor-mounted lawnmowers. Ooh, what are they um, doing with I, this device? I, they run it, it's like, twice a year. They'll run it up and down the road. And because, uh, uh, like, across from me is a vacant lot, and then there's a couple places where people uh, just don't maintain, or a couple places where people will have, like, a forest buffer in between two houses, which gets overrun with blackberries. So. In order to keep all of the weeds and bushes from encroaching onto the road, they will. They do some work. <laughs> yeah, they and this thing's actually pretty awesome. It's like uh, a backhoe, you know, with the big shovel scoop on it, except that instead there's a a sixty four inch wide lawnmower ooh on a
0: backhoe arm, a big dangerous blade,
1: and then they they run the tractor down the road with this big arm reaching out and it does you know six or six feet or five feet of of mowing
0: like i'm i seriously want one of these i'd finish my lawn in three passes yeah, that's that you just attach it to a drone you don't even have to do it yourself then
1: uh, this would be a heavy drone
0: It would have to be i think i think anything that could hover with
1: that much weight on it would probably make more noise than this tractor
0: but that would be the fun part you could drive it over your neighbor's property and they'd be like, oh, my God, we're all going to die. Did,
1: did you just suggest I drive it over my neighbors? I mean, I've got yes. some
0: neighbors. Yeah, you could just especially the one who's had
1: a Black Lives Matter sign out in his yard for three years.
0: After running them over with that thing, you probably wouldn't be able to find them, to be fair. It's good. <laughs> you should see what this thing does to Blackberries, though. I'll tell you. I mean, really, the people don't like uh they're old now. So, I mean, everybody's moved on to iPhones and uh, and Samsung devices. The BlackBerry just isn't really used anymore.
1: Uh, yeah, but the vines are still everywhere.
0: <laughs> you have uh, to have the technology it, it, to take care of the environment around you. Just run out. Do, do me a favor. Take the microphone, run out there, and tell them what they're doing is not environmentally friendly.
1: Well, environmentally friendly would be to let the plants overrun and just yes. Re- Reclaim civilization.
0: Yes. From the human race, which is obviously flawed. And we've already set the first domino on. So we may as well just enjoy the ride. I've got an AI story. Oh, and we've been listening to AI.cooking.
1: Yeah. Well, I I figured we'd go ahead and we scoop rare encounter all the time. We should scoop AI cooking as well. It sounds fair. Uh, This is, uh, this is out of the register. And uh, what they are saying is that they are using AI to detect uh, what they call shady scientists trying to publish bad research. I'm just going to say <laughs> scientific fraud. It's fraud. It's unethical. It's, it's not just shady. Uh,
0: these people are. So they're looking for people that say vaccines are no good. They're looking for people that say climate change isn't real. No, not, not the, not
1: the kind of science denier that, that Facebook censors would come over, but no, the, There are a lot of papers out in the world. You know, we, I think, I think I brought, it was in my notes. I don't remember if I brought last week a story about how there's some real problems in science, people being sloppy publishing papers or uh, just not, you know, not doing a very good job or how nobody's bothering to try to reproduce scientific results anymore. So you can publish a paper and then uh, the, the mainstream news, We'll pick up on it. Say a study came out, and the science says, and it's settled, and it's not settled. Because you publish one paper, and the way that you get confidence in that paper is somebody grabs a paper and tries to reproduce your result and says, "Okay, yeah, I can confirm this," and now it's a lot more credible. That's a problem because nobody is doing reproduction in science. But apparently, the people who have uh, at the uh. I did not put in my notes who is doing this. So, uh, you'll have to read it. Uh, but the people no. using the AI for this. I'm not going <laughs> to read it. Don't tell me to no. do work. Oh, no, no. I, you, okay. You don't have to read it. You can just take my word for it that experts are on the job.
0: They always are.
1: Anyway, what has been determined is that there are a number of scientific papers out there where people are, uh, fudging data. And, uh, it, I mean, surprise, surprise. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, uh, we, the data that we came up with actually doesn't show that man is causing climate change. So let's go ahead and just put a hockey stick graph in here and, and reference that one paper that's been debunked that everybody references. And now it shows for sure. Okay. That might be a, I might be going overboard there, but, um, what they're finding is, uh, the, the big thing is, um, they they studied the American Association for Cancer Research from 2016 to 2020. All of the papers studied in that. And one of the things that they determined is that there's a lot of image duplication where somebody would uh, take an image that they said showed cancer and then uh, flip it around or change the colors back and forth, use the same image in order to show that there's more data than there actually is. And uh, the article did not, name any studies who were doing this but what they said is they're using the ai and image recognition uh software kind of like uh the the google image search to determine when people are fudging their data and it's a lot I, apparently it's enough that they need to send an ai after uh so okay i'm i'm Staring at the article, which is not making for great podcasting. <laughs> it looks like it looks like the research journal themselves are the ones who are using the AI because they're tired of publishing papers that
0: are. And uh, what do okay. people get for even publishing stuff that's bullshit? Is it just like oh, we're in a race to get you, money you get funding to say you're published? Right, it, it, you get more
1: funding, you get grants. Uh, uh, publishing in the scientific community, publishing is absolutely everything. You're if if you don't publish, you end up losing your job in the academic industry. You have to keep getting grants. You get grants by having published papers. It is absolutely critical to publish all the damn time. And so if you don't have the results or more or you know, even worse or more commonly, if your results don't match the preconceived biases of the people giving you the grants, you don't get future grants and then your career is over. So the incentive is there to really, really, really push for You must find the results that the grant, the people issuing the grants want, right? Even when those grants are being issued by the government, that's they're not immune from that sort of bias.
0: I mean, it's like, did you ever wonder why the study saying orange juice will give you an erection that will last 48 hours was uh, funded by the uh, orange growers of Florida? No, but now I want that to be true. (laughs) Do Do you ever wonder why? It's always like, wow, this study came out that said product X is really, really, really important to your well-being. And it was a study that was paid for by well, wait a company that just happened to make X. Gee, weird. Yeah, yeah. What a surprise.
1: But, no, no, you please. know, part of that you can't always assume that the scientists are being unethical. Although there is absolutely a very strong incentive for you know, if if uh, if Grumpy Old Benz comes out and commissions a study that says you can you find out if Grumpy Old Benz is the best podcast in the universe, right. and uh, you know if they. On the one hand, there's certainly a lot of incentive for the scientists doing the research to come to that conclusion, which whether or not you think it's conscious introduces bias. But even if you have the most ethical science in the world, there's a very simple thing, which is the people who commission the study are also often the ones who decide whether or not the study gets published and publicized. Right. So, So if Coke comes out and says, can you determine what soft drink people prefer and- A scientist does a very objective study that determines, you know, it turns out that it's Pepsi. Then Coke is not going to publish that study,
0: are they? It's going to disappear quickly. Yeah. Going to disappear quickly. Or they just use portions of it. It is. uh... And, you know, it
1: used to be that the scientist would be like, screw you. I did this research I'm publishing anyway. But there's a lot of grants these days that now come with clauses that say, People who funded the grant are the ones who determine whether or not it can be published, which is also unethical. Science is having a real problem these days because of the problem science has always had, which is that it's run by humans. Well, yes, we it's out AI. it's a problem. Yeah. Well, funding is, yeah, funding is it. Funding is the incentive being provided, but it's being run by humans and humans are not always the most ethical people in the world. And... And now that we have schools that are prioritizing teaching uh, gender studies and and anti-white racism over things like ethics, we've got a lot of people that just don't, you know, either don't know ethics or, you know, in the case of a lot of politically charged topics, which we talk about in this show, um, there's a lot of people out there who are starting to adopt the ends, justify the means people who will do things like, uh, you know, well, this study's completely made up, but it hurts Donald Trump. So we're going to publish it anyway. And then it goes into all of the media.
0: Right. It's OK, then. Yeah, because, because we if, want it if
1: it does something to prevent Donald Trump from getting elected, then it's worth it no matter what.
0: Reality is no longer reality.
1: Yeah. Who is the who is the dude the other day that uh, actually came out and said, said, you know, I don't care if Hunter Biden was murdering crack whores
0: on <laughs> right. video. Right. Like he had children tied up in his basement. You know, Is that what it was? yeah, it was something like that. For one just one of these uh pundits that uh yeah, he he's still better. The option of Biden was still better than Trump, but it's like again, the insanity of people that believe half of what they hear. I mean, we still hear the uh, fine people on both sides bullshit. We still hear that Trump said grab them by the pussy. We still hear all of this, but It's all taken out of context, and this is exactly the problem with the short attention spans people have now. I covered a story on random thoughts. I think it was last week of the school teacher who a kid just got like 18 seconds of audio of her saying, no, Diego, we can't call them pedophiles. They're minor attracted people. You can't call that. That's your (laughs) And the woman is got fired. I think she'll get her job back when any rational if there are rational people left in the area, maybe there's not. But it's like you do not understand how a teaching moment works. A teacher was telling them and the students in the class. And I don't know if it ever said what grade, but they were reading the crucible. So I'm assuming it's at least junior high or high school. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like three year olds that said, uh, no, she was saying this is what's happening to the world that you can't. That, you know, do this. It wasn't that this was what she believed or this is what she wanted. She was explaining exactly what these asshole liberals are doing, which, of course, she had to be fired for that, because how dare you? How dare you tell people what the asshole liberals are doing to pollute the minds of the children of America and the world?
1: You know, I give teachers and teachers unions a lot of shit on this show, and the main reason is because although I honestly believe that 99% of teachers are genuinely good people who are, at best, just want to make people's lives a little bit better to get a paycheck and uh, or yeah, worth, a lot of them genuinely care about the well-being of the students and want to make things better. But there is that tiny little percentage of people who tend to be featured on libs of TikTok who are right. genuinely fucking up kids who are, you know, I, I saw I saw a statement that I definitely agreed with, which is if your kid, if, if a student in school knows the uh, sexual preference or political stance of the teacher, that teacher needs to be fired. And the problem is these teachers are not fired. In fact, they're backed up by mainly by teachers unions, which is why. And I get I get into this argument. You know, It's not even a start to an argument with the leftards. But even with people on NAS who are like, actually, unions are really good because they protect people from evil corporations like, yes, but there is a lot of corruption that creeps into unions, too, because what you're doing is you're protecting yourself from a giant organiza- faceless organization. By creating another giant faceless yes. organization, yeah. and funny how giant faceless organizations are a breeding ground for corruption, and there are a lot of like you know I, I support almost all police officers, but when there's a bad corrupt cop who is taking bribes and it, being you know overtly evil and violating people's rights. That cop needs to be disciplined or let go. And every time that a police officer's union steps in and says, no, we have to save the job of this shitty cop, that union is doing evil. Every time that there's a teacher out there who is trying to transform kids into pedophiles or or make them cut off their genitals just so that the teacher can feel better about their they them pronouns, that teacher needs to be fired. And every time a teacher's union steps in and says, no, no, we can't do that. The teacher's union is doing evil. So, no, I don't think unions are a net benefit to the world. I
0: I think there are a lot of teachers out there who are there to do nothing but um, push their agenda to push their crazy political. I honestly
1: think that most of the there are really not that many. It's just that every single one of them puts up videos on TikTok and try to advertise how they're completely screwing up the
0: kids. I mean, it may only I be mean, 5% of all teachers, but that's a big number they, when you look at all this teachers.
1: shop teacher in, was it Wisconsin?
0: <laughs> no, uh, Canada, even better. Oh, was, oh,
1: it was, that's right. It was Canadian.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's okay. Coming well, here, though. it was can-
1: Canadian. No wonder. Okay. never mind. Not even a story that they do that all everything. the time. But I mean, it does.
0: I've, you know, I've heard for years, this concept that teachers don't make enough money and that may be the case in some areas. It is not the case. In the area I'm from, so again, I have a bias in a different direction. There's a wild, wild variation in the quality of teachers,
1: and some of them make way too much. Yes, I looked this thirty thousand a year. Yeah, that's that's way too much for some of these teachers.
0: <laughs> I looked uh, uh, a few years ago because having this conversation with a buddy, and I'm like, well, you know, teachers are uh employed by the city or state, so you can look this up. You can find out what their salary was and. The highest salary in the area, I thought it was great, was for the librarian in one of the local public high schools here, who granted was within a year or so of uh, being able to retire, was making 182000 a year. Well, that's to, not bad. To be the librarian at a high school. I figure that's a, that's a pretty decent job, but a lot of high school teachers in the area here making well in excess of $100,000. Which
1: that's, I mean, that's not all well, okay. Actually, after a few more years of Biden inflation, that's gonna be poverty line.
0: Well, yeah, everybody's gonna be but, broke then. But they say I mean, no, they, but because they're also, because they work for the city, then they're going to get a cost of living increase, which was the greatest thing I think about my wife getting a job now with the local uh, the village that we yeah. live in at Village Hall was you know, not even the fact that you're going to get your yearly you know, well, they'll look at how well you do your job and give you a merit based uh, raise if you deserve one. But everybody gets the cost of living raise, And
1: that's going to be like yeah, those, 10%. Government, those government unions sure are powerful. Yeah, they are. Especially when especially in government, which has absolutely no incentive toward efficiency whatsoever. The people making the decision on the management side also happen to be on the side of the unions.
0: Uh huh. Uh-huh. Like, well-
1: Oh, yeah. We we believe that everybody who has a government job should make uh, seven figures and uh, have a permanent, uh, you know, 401k that is built up for life and a pension. And and also, uh, you know, only work three hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. We believe in <laughs> workers' rights. And like, but you're the governor.
0: Speaking of workers' rights, are you familiar with a brand new bill that is, uh passing in new york it looks like it's going to pass called the sit act the sit act i am not familiar would you like to know what sit stands for sit or stand standing is tiring standing is tiring act it stands for okay there will be legislation in new york which says uh and of course the article on fox 5 out of new york is making the uh the comparison to the Seinfeld episode where George gets the uh, security guard a chair because it's really unfair from to stand all day. And then, of course, the guy he, falls asleep. He, and The store gets robbed. OK, That's, the, I mean, that seems like what happens. Yes, this is uh, exactly what we have here. According to the article, if passed, the legislation would require employer employers to allow employees to sit at work if it doesn't interfere with the nature of their work.
1: Do do you know why standing is tiring? And I can tell you why from personal experience, because I spend all my time in this chair. Standing up is tiring because I am fat and out of shape. And you know what? So are a ton of Americans and New Yorkers. And if your job is to stand, then you need to spend a little time in the gym and figure out how to make your body capable of it. Trust me, the human body can do it.
0: I mean, what I find to be funny is the article points out that, you know, on the one end of it they're like well of course uh you know standing is leading to health problems injuries and people being absent from work it's like but sitting too much is also causes health yeah, problems sitting <laughs> seems to be leading to worse health problems uh-huh it's like so here's here's the thing and as a big old fat white guy too i have worked on my feet it sucks i've worked retail but the reality yeah. is then you don't don't get a job where you have to stand if you can't stand. Yeah, that's the that'd be the trick. I don't I know mean, many, I don't know many employer. I'm trying was trying to think of jobs. And hey, if the trolls and the troll room want to help out on this one, I couldn't think of really many jobs where you're like, well, what job requires standing that they should be allowed to sit at that they're not? I mean, office work, people have chairs. I don't know of any offices that are like you have to stand. So there's there's that
1: to know, although uh, I've been in plenty of offices where people use standing desks.
0: Yes, they choose precisely
1: the reason that that
0: because they they don't want to die at the age 30. Yeah, because yeah, they.
1: in fact, I should use a standing desk. I just don't want to rearrange my whole office space. I know I can tell you, you know, and here this is a very American experience. I went out and did four hours of yard work yesterday and every muscle in my body is sore (laughs) and. I like I just sitting here is in fact hurting my back. But my solution is not to pass legislation to make yard work illegal because it hurts people. <laughs> my the proper solution for me might be to do something really crazy like, I don't know, go out and do a couple hours of yard work or walking or just jogging every day so that I get in some freaking shape and four hours of work doesn't kill me.
0: Yeah, that it doesn't uh, doesn't put you out for a few days.
1: Yeah. It's like my body is old enough that I do four hours of of heavy labor and suddenly
0: I'm gone for three days. I mean, I, again, like, I was trying to think of this because it's like, well, maybe the people at the grocery store that are checking you out where I know they I did think it was weird. They do sit at the Aldi here, but every other place we go into, you know, that's a grocery store. The people that are standing there checking you out are standing. They're not sitting. But There are people who shop for groceries while sitting will know that check you out while sitting at Aldi. They sit oh. on a chair while running the little machine, which I always thought was a little just, weird. I mean, you could shop while sitting too. You just need one of those little, what do you call it? That is
1: really wild. Like I mean, that that used to be the way it always happened. But in um, nowadays I am really surprised that there's an actual human operating the checking
0: machine at all. Well, more and more people are refusing <laughs> to use the automated checking oh, machine
1: finally coming back
0: it is and there i've seen a ton of videos popping up on youtube and articles popping up about this which i think a lot of them are bullshit i think it's probably all being funded by unions that don't want people re- replaced with machines
1: because well, if, if they're starting to finally figure stuff out then maybe there is hope for unions
0: there's uh they're right that would be true the uh the thing that is always at the crux of this is if you accidentally don't scan an item, they will go after you hard and you'll have a problem and you could have all sorts of legal issues. And they're pushing the fact that you should never go through an auto check because of that. Because even if you make an honest mistake, they're going to treat you like a criminal where that risk is mitigated if you go through a normal check lane because if the asshole that's checking you out at a normal check lane misses something, that's their fault. It's not yours. But it, when you you know the auto check, it's a, it's, I don't know. It's weird.
1: It's an interesting analysis, and I don't disagree that you know. Well, okay, if if we are in the the position that has been really prevalent for twenty five years, which is. Well, machines are infallible and therefore if the machine detects you doing something bad, we have to throw the book at you, which is not necessarily a valid position, but is one that's been taken a lot. But I don't use the auto check when I go out. I always go for, you know, my local grocery store, even at peak time now only has one lane that has an actual checker in it because people like me who will. And of course, that's always backed up and they want to incentivize people to go through the auto check system because it's certainly cheaper for the store. But I I remember when auto checks were introduced, what, 15 years ago, something like that?
0: It's about right. Yeah, it seems like they've been around for a while.
1: And they've been around for a while. And I remember going through it. And and trust me, every time I have to use it, my experience is exactly the same. You go in, you grab your item, you scan the first one. It doesn't scan. You scan, (laughs) try to roll it again. You run it back and forth. You're waving it like a fucking baton in a parade. You finally get it to scan. You put it down. Um, you put it down where it's maybe not completely right on there. They get the weight wrong. They're like, you know, first it's, you put it down and hold on. Wait, please wait,
0: please wait. Yes. Wait for it. Then somebody will come help you.
1: Yeah. And, and okay. Now please scan your next item. Like, no, I wanted to scan my, you know, I want to go scan, scan, scan. I want to leave here sometime today. No, it has to wait. while it fucking calculates and it has to wait. It has to to read the weight of the item in there and if if you ever do something really awful like put your hand on the
0: the weighing scale, but <laughs> please take the extra item off of the like no it's even worse because it's like oh there's items in the bagging area or there's no items in the bagging area caution 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 you are doing and it wrong.
1: every one of those operations takes five seconds of processing. And then you can't possibly do it right the first time and you put the item down and you pick the item up and it gets seriously confused and it won't let it, it is an awful, awful experience. And again, we're, we're back to the part where machines are expected to be infallible because we can't possibly have anyone taking advantage of the system. So everybody is treated like a criminal. Everybody is treated like they're trying to shoplift. I take my, you know, my Pound of vegetables and you know, I I ordered a a pound of bacon and uh the guy
0: Ooh, thick said, cuts,
1: peppered? Yeah, oh the yes, fuck yeah. Uh <laughs> Hemplers is the brand name. And I said, I said, I want a pound of bacon. And he grabs a handful, but he was really busy and he throws it on there, and it's like comes out to 1.35 pounds. This happened to me a couple months back. And he's like, I said, Well, I only need a pound. He said, You know what? I don't want to redo this. I'm in a hurry. And he just prints out a sticker that says one pound, throws it on there and goes, which is, I mean, it's really cool. And what is the meat department out? $2 for just a little delicious bacon, 20 cents for a little bit. It it would have cost them a lot more in his time to go back and remove the bacon. Then like, fine. That's fine. Humans do that. Yeah. But then I get to the checkout and I scan it and I put it down on there. And it says, please remove the extra item on them. Like what? I think (laughs) it, decided my bacon was too heavy right it's and, like and why machines you... do not understand yeah. because of course they're not programmed to they don't understand the oh yeah he was being nice and gave me a little bit of extra bacon to so he could save himself some time
0: right it should have just had a barcode that never even needs to be re-weighed at that point but probably not so the half the
1: time i just you know jump up and down on them till i break the damn thing and then i go through the human <laughs> checkout anyway
0: but it's like they expect people to recognize when you're trying to do this fast because nobody is enjoying themselves when they're at the self-checkout. So they're trying to do it as fast as possible. And it's I
1: never very- enjoy myself when I check myself out.
0: <laughs> well, the, it, the mirror is my enemy. I was gonna say oh, there, yeah. there's so many jokes there. The <laughs> uh it's very easy to believe that somebody could miss and take an item that they thought was scanned in because there's like usually if you're at a store, especially one that's busy, yeah. there's eight other machines around you all going whoop. It's like you could just think, no, I heard it beep. No, I heard it beep. And
1: and and when it has a five-second feedback and you're like scan, okay, I'm pretty sure that scan, and I'm in a damn hurry.
0: That's why you go 50
1: items in here at five seconds each. That's gonna take me 20 minutes just standing at this thing. And, And there's a line. And
0: you go to the manned lane, and you're you're putting a poor person to work.
1: And God help you if you Try to get anything that has an age verification.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So buying a lot of alcohol, are we? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You you know what? Going through the one with the human, the dude looks at me and is like, okay, I see a a fat old white guy with wrinkles under his eyes and a gray beard. I'm not going to card it. That's a very reasonable time saving. No scan. Please scan your license. Please show your license
0: to the attendant who's busy. The guys, like I could see by the disappointment in your eyes, that you're way over twenty-one. And go, take your liquor, take your liquor, man. I,
1: I've been over twenty-one for more than twenty-one years. I know. Isn't that great? When you start it, looking no, at this kind really. of stuff. In you know, fact, just, it'll it'll have been it'll have been twenty-four years on Friday.
0: Wow! Congratulations. Uh, what for getting old? Yeah, I mean, for that, surviving another year. Isn't that how you usually uh, increase uh, donations to this and angry tech news? Be like going to be my birthday. Come on, bitches. Boost. boost. No, but that's a good idea. Uh-huh. In fact, uh, everybody listening to the sound of my
1: voice, boost extra because I'm going to be getting older.
0: Yes. And he, he'll and, be needing and more I, prescription I drugs.
1: Completed the arduous accomplishment of staying on this earth for another year.
0: But at least you have a job where you can sit down. Yes, Earth Pipe. I'm going to be 24. Times two. <laughs> uh, I'll be 45. There's multiplications going on. There's divisions, but I didn't really I, understand I, like how many will, people this act was actually helping or hurting because really this, this act. Yeah. The act of that you, New York that says you can sit down. Oh, I still don't. I can't think of many jobs where it's but, like, you it's, know, cause cons- you can't be like, Hey, I'm I'm working all day. Like you just said, you did the lawn work. Say you're a guy that's out doing cutting lawns all fucking day. Well, well, then you'd be in better shape than I am, wouldn't you? Probably. It's like, well, then you can't sit down. You can't sit down while weed whack in somebody's yard. You can't. Oh, somebody's sit... never heard of a riding mower. Well, you can have a riding mower, but those are too big. I love the, the they do the riding mowers, the guys that do our lawn here, that uh, they're stand up. Hey. And riding so, things. Somebody,
1: somebody doesn't have a tractor with a giant boom arm with a 64 inch I know I need cutting one. deck
0: on it. These I need are, one now. These things are like the, what do you call them? Little fucking segways. These things are like segways that go like 50 I, miles an hour and cut grass. I have 30 square feet
1: of lawn in front of my house and I need one of those. <laughs>
0: you can cut your grass in under 30 seconds. <laughs> it's like, who, who, I, I don't understand who is going to be able to sit down at their job. That doesn't know if you're working at like Amazon or working in one of these uh, in one of these areas uh, in a warehouse like yeah, you can't sit down. I mean, really, there are so very few jobs that people are standing that it's like, why don't you just sit down that I can't even believe this is a thing. I don't understand.
1: I I, it's it's another example of uh, a government knows best of people who uh, I mean. I don't necessarily want to get into a religious rant, but here I go. Um, (laughs) Secularism run wild. People abandon the idea of formal religion because, oh, you know, religion is bad. And there's a lot to that, but human beings need spiritualism. They need to believe in something more powerful than themselves and not climate Uh, change in, in, in most religions. That's God. But, if you are a, a secular leftist who has rejected all forms of God, then what you're going, what's going to happen is that a new God is going to appear in your worldview and you're not going to recognize it. You're not going to realize it. And for a lot of people, that is the state. Uh If you just go out and listen to some of the leftists talking about government this and government that, that, you know. Oh, the state should allow this. The state shouldn't allow that. The, uh, the you know, we, we really, you know, we live our lives beholden to the state, Uh, you know, uh, glory be to the state for giving us these, this EBT. Right. It, people don't realize that they, they, that is, that is exactly what Christians of 200 years ago would say to God. Thank God for this meal that we're eating. Thank government for this meal that we're eating. You know, thank thank God for uh, providing me another day of bountiful work. You know, thank government for providing me these food stamps. It's the same thing, and so when when the state is your God, then suddenly you have the ability. You know, you talk to your God, and more importantly, you know something a lot of Christians never had is the ability to actually influence the God. You'd be like well, it should be this way. And back 200 years ago, when all you had was, was God, you would say it should be this way. And then God would sit there and silently not answer your prayers and be like, well, it's God's will that my prayers are, you know, that I must suffer this and put up with it. Well, you don't have to do that when the government is your God and you have sufficiently shrill, woke people listening to you in government, because now, you can say, it should be this way and we should force everybody to do this. And then somebody in, in the state, one of the, the religious icons, one of the priests of the new government class can sit there and go, it should be this way. Let's force everybody in the world to follow my beliefs. And then you have
0: religious tyranny, which is at least something that's not new in human history. I'm pretty sure the government has answered less prayers than God. And I'm also pretty secure. Uh, I'm also pretty secure. I, I am that too. But I'm pretty sure that the day the currency for the United States changes from "in God we trust" to "in government we trust," we are all fucking doomed. I mean, it is that in
1: everything, but name only. They just haven't reprinted the cash. Instead, they're obviating the cash.
0: They're making them into NFTs. They,
1: in "in government we trust" is printed on every central bank NFT.
0: Yeah, got to get them NFTs, man. Coming now for the grumpy old Ben's NFT sale, only forty nine ninety nine each. Then a minting fee of like $8,000. And then uh, then there's another Ethereum fee. And then uh, some other fees. And then the gas charge. And then some more fees. But otherwise, it's cheap. You want to get in on that. We do have a couple of people to thank today. Or actually a few. I mean, a couple would be two. But uh, do we have that many? (laughs) Yeah, we, this is a value for value podcast and we're working on it. I mean, we are finally starting to uh, generate some interest on this little podcast that could Uh, Anastasia Treckles coming in with her $10 and 10 cents monthly donation. That's an executive producer credit today on the grumpy old Ben's program. And we thank you. And coming in again with a brand new $10 a month donation is Loretta Vandenberg, otherwise known as Rhett, who, if you remember, Grumpy Old Ben's experts of yore that have been around for a while. Rhett found us maybe a hundred and some uh, odd episodes yeah. in and decided Probably to start. Probably around show one, 120 something. And that was starting from the beginning.
1: Yeah. was so Which was, a, which was uh, I I thought it was a crazy task but I I guess she accomplished it and then she ran out of Grumpy Old Ben's episodes
0: for a while. Yeah, but then there were more. And, her, and there note, were more. her note says, I'm back on task to catch up to current episodes. I can attest to the older topics are evergreen, less the specific tech issue. Sorry, I had to drop support for a spell, but love the show. It's therapy for me. Please don't find an exit strategy. Well, we thought this was the exit strategy, Rhett, but it turns yes. out not yet. We are therapy. You
1: don't have to rage
0: at the world because we'll do it for you. Yes, we will burst the blood vessels in our brain. So you don't have to do so, but we appreciate you listening and jumping back on board. And we did get through, uh, because, th- th- uh, you know, sometimes Satoshi stream wasn't working. CSB sent a boost of 48, 48 sats. And just says please visit www.csblol to see cartoons about tech love and dogs, but hopefully not dog love. That would be different. And that's a totally uh, it- different kink.
1: Well, okay. So, dog love is a real thing. Many, many dog owners experience it. There are actually uh, only a small minority of them who make it sexual.
0: Well, that's good. The smaller the but minority, the better. That's probably true. The better. And as we were reading these, some boostograms were coming through live. So, Satoshi's stream might be uh, yes. back on. And from Servo, see
1: something. See something from Servo.
0: Yeah, thirty-three, thirty-three, twice. It just says interest. I don't know why, but we thank you, Servo. Apparently we're we're just that interesting. Are, are we or is, there, is he like get interesting? Or yeah, he's he, he wants us to finally get interesting. Right, are you guys he's like, "Are you guys have you started the show yet?" Sorry, Servo, we don't do that here. Are you just rambling that we've generated some interest. Well, we we could charge interest on the if we had principal, we could definitely have more interest. But what we can't do is be interesting. Right. But if you think we're somewhere in the middle, then go to grumpy slash donate. All of the information is there. It's a value for value show, which these shows are out there in the ether. You can grab them. You can listen to them for free anytime, day or night. And we hope you got some value out of them. It's always cool when somebody like Rhett comes in and is like, hey, that's therapy for me. We get something out of the show. Whatever it is, well, we, if it can calm you down, if it can you up, if it can make you feel better, if it can make you feel worse, whatever it is you're looking for. And if Rhett wants to really hear a secret, it's therapy for me, too. Yeah, we figured that one out. It's the rants. <laughs> it's the rage. It's like, yeah, we've the, you notice we're right after you do a podcast, your blood pressure is nice and low because all of that, all of the rage yes. just funnels right out into my, the and my heart rate
1: is way up.
0: We should. You know what? I, see, now I this want to is, pay for this technology.
1: Doing this podcast is almost as aerobic as yard work. Right. But it causes way
0: less muscle pulls. The, yeah. uh, the NASCAR the Although I, sh- I
1: should be doing it standing.
0: True. Well, we did standing desks. I mean, I can stand. I have the, uh, I mean, the microphone will go up high. It's, so it's, it's not like I read things a whole lot during the show. So I yeah. could technically just stand up at any time it's all
1: i can do to sit up which is actually not as easy as it sounds in this lazy boy
0: true that takes some muscle use just to it's kind of like doing sit ups just getting closer to the microphone but nascar now has the ability during the race to show the driver's heart rate i think this would be a great addition to grumpy old ben's is a live heart rate monitor during the show for both of us while the while the rants are going on just to see exactly how uh, <laughs> how legit the rant is, I mean, you know, we could do blood pressure too, and just see like red things flashing. Yeah. Like, a, uh, call Ryan, the physician, please. Uh, we have a problem. Yeah. we noticed that Bemrose's heart rate hit
1: one ninety <laughs> at bad. the beginning of the show before <laughs> before the music.
0: <laughs> and you know when it hits that rate, it is. It's kind of like blowing a uh, tire at uh, eighty miles an hour. You don't want that to happen. It's it's bad. No, there's there's very few people I want to blow at 80 miles an hour. Hey now, that's uh, that's for another story entirely. Uh, that, that's right? for different podcast. It is. You, you probably want Rare Encounter to hear about you that. I was going to say that's the where you want to go for sexual deviant content. You want to go to Rare Encounter at Rare Encounter. Well, at least innuendo. Yeah, they rarely do things that are overtly sexual. They're they're subversive, <laughs> is what you're Except saying.
1: Except talk about anime.
0: Yeah, they're subversive. Which I think
1: is overtly sexual by virtue of being anime.
0: That may be, I had other stories about Comcast and Apple and piracy. Uh, uh, Micro, oh, here, I know you'd like this one, Microsoft. I I,
1: want to hear a story about Comcast and Apple piracy.
0: (laughs) Those are all different stories. How about Microsoft 365? They are making people's lives way, way easier. And you'll like this because, you know, it's really inconvenient when you get the. They're making it easier to cancel. Well, no, they're making it easier. Because it's really inconvenient when Microsoft tells you that you have to do an update. It's really inconvenient when Microsoft, okay, stop the sentence right there. Exactly. Now, I'm quoting here, Julia Lieberman, a product manager at Microsoft, so you know you can trust Julia. Quote, Microsoft has developed an optimization that applies a pending Microsoft 365 apps update when the machine is in idle or locked mode. Well, that's
1: certainly an improvement over some of their update strategies.
0: Even if the apps are running. So, yes, now your machines will update even if you don't want them to. And even if it's idle, even if it's locked, even if the app is running and it's idle and locked, Microsoft will push that update for your convenience. Well, if you are
1: resigned to the fact that it's not your machine and that the updates are going to happen anyway, then the only real choice you have is when it's applied. And in that case, at least for my part, when I'm not using the computer is better than at the exact moment when you can be certain, I want to use it, which is what the Xbox updates do
0: when everything slows you right on down. And I mean, the Apple one's a quick little thing too. I think it's the whole, the new Apple iPhones having this satellite communication ability in them. Uh, There was an article on uh Oh good, another radio to turn off. Pretty much. Fierce Wireless is the website this was on. And the uh, headline was Is the Apple iPhone satellite communications a game changer or a dud? So I'll be asking you which. I mean, I don't I don't think most people are going to use it. I think it's an interesting addition in how they you'll, did this. You'll you'll be asking me like I'm an Apple user? Well, what? Yeah, you could pretend to be an Apple user for a minute. Um it was interesting because they went the route of basically buying some uh, uh, like slices of uh, the uh, satellites that are already in orbit because a lot of people like well how are they going to do this how is it going to be cost effective so they're basically renting space from other satellite companies that are up there and this is mainly an emergency use thing and it's like okay if you're hiking in the Grand Canyon you're gonna love this I don't know otherwise. If it's gonna be that big of a deal. But I could see where it could be very handy if you're somewhere that does not have cell service and you are having an emergency, whether it's your car breaks down, you have a car accident, but, you're hiking in the middle of the woods and you don't, you know, and you need to get a message how out. How often how often do Apple users ever leave the center of their cities? I don't know. I think some do. That's what these the latest Apple Watch, which is like the size of a brick. Was mainly made for people that are hiking. Get some and stuff exercise. Like that. You
1: can do curls with the, it's like weights on your.
0: kind of, yeah. You get one for each arm just to make it even. You should. Otherwise one arm is way stronger than the other. I mean, cold acid knows what I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I think this is a uh, interesting concept. Yeah. The, the you article on was- them
1: all the time. Did they
0: really deserve it? <laughs> the article was mainly asking. Yes. Yes, they do deserve it. Um, Whether this was going to become the norm across all of the Samsung and everything else and the Google phones, because of the fact that a lot of this stuff, the one thing you have to give Apple, whether you love them or hate them, there's a lot of things Apple have done, has done first in their phones that every other stupid company comes and copies.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, is this going to be the norm? The answer to that is yes, because Apple did it and all of the other companies don't bother hiring their own designers. We can, then they can just use Apple's designers.
0: And then they're like, well, we can't say we don't have this because, you know, Apple's going to be doing commercials like, Hey, we have satellite connectivity. If you get fucked in the middle of nature, you can get help with our phone. Okay.
1: If I get, in the middle of nature then i probably don't <laughs> want my phone anywhere around or there'll be end up being videos of it but
0: then you can make an nft with the video so that's all and unless
1: unless she was a supermodel or something in which case maybe i want a video to
0: be out but you otherwise could, well, well and your phone could do like 8k video now or is it like 14k it's something crazy that your phone can do
1: and i know th- this seems incredibly obvious to me but am i the only one who's like i either Shut off my phone, or put it on mute, or just put it in the in a drawer or something before having sex, because that's really not a noise that I want interrupting me.
0: No, I mean, this is true. You don't <laughs> you
1: this... don't want notifications <laughs> while you're busy getting it on. Like, <laughs> talk about a mood killer. I know. And by the way, if that enhances your mood, then you have an unnatural relationship with your phone. No, well, there's And nothing... I want you to call in. Well,
0: I'm just saying, there's talk nothing story. worse than, uh, than than to have that notification noise, whether it's just the or whether it's some obnoxious noise like, like Yoko yeah. Ono.
1: Somebody, well, there, there is that.
0: Well, some people might I, get off to that, but there's nothing worse than the phone. My being, ringtone
1: is Yoko Ono. My, my text message sound is the goat scream.
0: <laughs> well, I'm just thinking. Which uh, is
1: freaking hilarious. It, I, when I was in the doctor's office and a uh, dentist's office, they had me in the chair and she was like doing all this precision work. And I'm like, and you know, goat scared goat scream to move. came out of your pants? Well, no, no. She's got like this knife in my mouth, cutting something open. It was when I was doing the, the implant and, uh, you know, doing the very precision work. And I'm too scared to move because, you know, if I twist my head, she would end up impaling me in the eyeball or something. And suddenly my coat from across the room, ah! <laughs> everybody jumps.
0: You do not want the woman with a sharp object in your mouth to jump. You're like, sorry, my so, cell phone. Well, you really can't even say that because you got like eighteen fingers in your mouth.
1: I don't need to be permanently disfigured because somebody sent me a you know liked my toot on No Agenda Social. You're yeah. like, I my
0: <laughs> What? <laughs> but it's even worse, you know, for guys who I'm assuming is mainly what listens to our show, although we had two female yeah. uh people sending donations, so maybe I'm wrong. But the person Earth you're with, is Earthpipe
1: says his morning alarm is the Yoko Ono Pink Floyd Great Gig in the Sky that is exactly the track that is my ringtone for incoming phone calls and the reason is that having to hear that when somebody's calling me puts me in exactly the right mood
0: to get them off the phone quickly the right state of mind but there's nothing worse than you know the person you're getting busy with getting a text and just throwing you, you know, off what? them to get to the phone like
1: <laughs> sorry more important uh, yeah or uh, like, oh, did somebody did somebody thumbs up you on your Instagram post? Is that really more important than what you're doing right now? OK, well, uh-huh, that uh-huh. tells me everything I need to know about this person.
0: Have a divorce lawyer on speed dials. What you need. Is, is there still speed dial? Is that still a thing? Are we still old? You can be like number one, number two, number three it's, on the speed dial. It's not speed
1: dial. It's it's tap the name of the contact in your contacts list.
0: You know, I, I miss speed Who the hell dial. dials a phone anymore. I do and that because i I don't know i now you I, probably still have a landline well it's but it's, is the phone made out of bakelite it, it, no, it's a cheap plastic panasonic but it's uh it is it is a uh connected to an i uh voiceover i p though so it's kind of a landline, but it's not
1: we it, we when I was growing up, we actually did have a bakelite phone in the kitchen it was uh one of the ones that uh, is mounted on the wall and when you it it had the like 16 foot long cord so that you could get into the next room. Oh yeah. You had to get those super. That was the only way to get there privacy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh and you know, it was the one when you, when you hang up the, the handset hangs on the thing in the wall, It right. kind of fits into the little slot. And, uh but it was made out of bakelite and there was a window right next to it that shined on it. And after about six years, it turned into the, the plastic stuff where every time you grab the phone, you got this little plastic dust coming off in your hand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Cracking. Nice. I mean, I have the, the handset like that still on the uh, Mickey mouse phone I have in the other room, which is also connected to uh, the voiceover IP. So I can go back into the eighties and feel like uh, I'm back there. You can pick up the phone. You can dial when you hear the old fashioned tones. It's great. I
1: mean, it, it's nice to be able to reenter the eighties just by going up and down a flight of stairs.
0: You <laughs> do feel like it. and You can just tell you're winded though now. So it's, it's different. Yeah. It's well, I different. was winded often
1: in the 80s too.
0: Yeah, this is true. For different reasons. This is true. But I mean, a lot of people are confused that today's Tuesday, but I'll be back in the dentist chair tomorrow. I too am confused that it's Tuesday. But we can do these things anytime now. Gene was saying I that we kind of do. Un- it's just we don't always record them. Right. You know, even Gene's like, we don't really need to do, you know, Friday at that time. We could do anything. I'm like, Ask That's- my wife. I'm always ranting. You're like, just, well, now what you need is just a portable recorder always running. And then people wouldn't be asking when the next angry tech news is. You could just be releasing drabs and dibs of, of Rantle goodness. Is that, I guess that's uh, maybe your new character name, Rantle goodness. Rantle goodness. Sounds like a show (laughs) title. Rantle goodness. What what the fuck does that mean?
1: (laughs) That's, that's actually my, my Tom Clancy ghost
0: recon user ID. Rantle goodness. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's all I've got for today. I mean, you got anything else? I actually don't.
1: I, I brought only so much rant. I, I I wanted to do more, but I kept getting
0: sucked in on this NFT garbage. <laughs> it is amazing what people will put people money into and behind. Uh-huh. I don't get it. I don't get it. It's a weird world. That's what we cover I here. I
1: seriously need to get out of this chair and stretch a bit.
0: With that said, we will be back again sometime soon with another edition of the Grumpy Old Bens podcast. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I can get up, but it's going to take a while.
1: And from America's left coast, where the optimal lawn is severely depressed so that it cuts itself. I'm
0: Ryan (laughs) a Sick puppy. I don't get it either.